when you're talking about doing on doing on your own, have a discipline, have the intestinal fortitude to stick with it and follow through with that plan. And if you're not comfortable with that, again, most of our clients, they're going to delegate that, that to us to keep them on track. Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for your Retirement Elevated. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Your Retirement Elevated. Walter Sorold with Scott Dugan. He's the co-founder and managing partner at Elevated Retirement Group in KC, but serving clients all across the country. Find us online at listentoscott.com. Scott, hope you're doing well this week. I am. Thanks for asking. Happy to be on here today. Have you uh, thrown anything interesting on the grill lately? I have not, but let me tell you what my plan is when the weather gets cool enough. Okay. Is that I have discovered the magic of smoking chili. Whoa, what? Yes. Smoking chili. Smoking okay. it. So the there's a website called Meat Church. Meat Church. Yes. <laughs> Meat Church, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. You know it's got to be good just from that. Yes, right. It, this is a gentleman, uh, very popular uh, barbecue celebrity, I guess you could say. Um, it's got a great uh, seasoning line. And actually, he just came out with a line of Traeger pellets. So that tells you kind of how big time he is if Traeger is going to get behind him. Okay. Um, and actually, we gave away some of his seasoning at our client event as one of the gifts or one of the raffles. But he, so he's down in Texas. And for those of you who don't know, Texas chili means no beans. You can't have beans in your chili in Texas. Gotcha. Okay. Which I am kind of a fan of that. I, I don't necessarily like it uh, with, with beans. So he's got this recipe. You know what? I can probably send it over to you and you can link it to this how, how do you have chilies without beans chili without beans just, just, see just the, all again, meat it, or? well that's it depends on what part of the country you're from you know that not all chili has beans in it okay and so yeah it is it is brisket it is a breakfast sausage um and it's also ground beef if i remember correctly uh but it is it, it's unbelievable when it comes together, but you, I have this big cast iron Dutch oven, mix everything up. You put it in that Dutch oven, goes on the smoker and you smoke the chili for hours and everything, all the chemical reactions that happen over, you know, low and slow cooking, everything just melds together. It is out of this world. Sounds good. I'm hungry. Already talking about. I that. am. I am now too. It's ten ten twenty seven, and I'm uh, I'm ready to eat some food. But it's got to be cool outside to make this and to really thoroughly enjoy it. All right. I I I think I found the recipe on the site, so we will link to this. The Texas cool. Texas chili uh, link here. Beans or no beans? There's a whole discussion of it. It looks like, mm -hmm. and then the recipe. So all right. Yeah. We will link to that in the uh, description of today's show so people can go and check it out and have some of that <laughs> Texas chili that you you have tested and can tell or you're but you're going to test it. You've you've had oh, it before. No, I, I have I have confirmed okay. that it's an excellent recipe okay, excellent. with no beans. And it's just one of the it's it's unlike anything you've had before. 
And that's what's cool to be able to serve it up and really surprise people. The picture looks pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty darn good. Yeah. All right. Very good. We'll link to it in the description. So that'll be great. On to today's show. We're going to be talking about uh, nothing that has anything to do with chili. I I don't think there's a segue I can make here, Scott. So we just make an abrupt change today. I I would say that we're going to talk about how overconfidence can lead to financial ruin. I would say that, you know, I'm pretty. I may be overconfident that you shouldn't have means in chili, but uh, you're okay. going to have to decide or, that. Or overconfidence in the kitchen can lead to the ruin of your dish, perhaps. You That's know? very true. you got to be right. careful. you got to know, know your limits, but always test and improve your limits. A segue was made even when there wasn't one to be found. We did it. And uh, so, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, if we want to go biblical here, Scott, you know, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And so we're going to embody that spirit today to talk a little bit about how some of the ways that pride might manifest itself in our financial planning in the form of that overconfidence that you mentioned, and then where those problems arise from overconfidence. And it's a little tricky, right? Because we want to be confident in life, uh, in all areas of life. We want to be confident in our financial plans, but, you know, it's just that that fine line between confidence and maybe cockiness or something like that. Yes. And and if you've been, if you've known me for a while or listened to the podcast, I always talk about being cautiously optimistic about the future. And in my mind, for life to continue to have purpose, meaning, and something to look for, your future always has to be bigger than your past. Always have to have something to look forward to celebrate what's happened for sure relish what's happening in the now but always have our have a future that gives us more of what makes us feel alive improves our life improve the people we love their lives people we care about and so we want to do that um, but we don't want to be too overly confident and giving an example you know, when the markets, and I'm, I'm a big believer in the stock market, when the markets are doing really well, sometimes we can become overconfident and say, well, it's going to be like this forever. Well, the only thing that's certain is uncertainty. And we know at some point, as always, the markets correct. They take, take a deep breath, they revalue, and then they continue marching on. And so I think when we talk about the stock market, if you're do-it-yourselfer, which I applaud if you're very focused on that and, and do the work that it takes to manage assets. There's the technical side of it, of what to purchase, you know, what, what companies, what quality companies should we invest in? Because that's really what you're doing when we're putting money in the stock market. We're investing in quality companies that we have a high level of confidence. They're going to continue to run a good business provide solutions to people, provide new solutions down the road, and expand what they offer and become profitable. That, that's what we need to think about when we're in the market. But the other side of it is the emotional side. And the emotional side is the toughest part to manage. And so much so that I would guess if you looked at the fee that we charge our clients to help them with their financial lives and do their financial planning. About 20% of that fee goes to that selection and management of investments. The other 80% 
is spent on keeping people focused on the plan that we've put together. Because once you have goals, you have a plan on how to achieve those goals. And then once we have that, then we go out and we select what are those investments that we need to drive the plan. Once we've done that, our job needs to be focused on updating that plan, changing what needs to happen, But the most important job is to keep you focused and not fall in the trap of becoming emotional with the headlines and making bad decisions with your hard-earned dollars. That's what the majority of what people are paying us for is to, yes, put the plan together, choose the investments, but a big chunk of it is keeping people on track emotionally, psychologically when it comes to their financial plan. Well, that is hugely important, and that's why we then find overconfidence being one of these things that can lead to financial ruin. So we want to keep that in check and something you're doing on a daily basis, I'm sure, with folks, Scott, uh, dealing with overconfidence, but in other ways, bringing confidence to the table by aligning reality with maybe expectations. So that's kind of the underlying positive thing here. It's not all just, you know, bad news and finger pointing. And that's important to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's talk about specific areas where overconfidence comes into play. What about in the stock market or our ability to manage our own portfolio? Is that a common overconfidence issue? Um, Yeah, like I say, I believe if you've got the desire, aptitude, and time to manage your own portfolio, go ahead and do it. That's a very small portion of the population. All right. Uh, Most of the people that are coming to us are coming to us because they want someone that they can delegate to. They want someone that will put a plan together for them in their best interest, but they want to know that that team of people is monitoring the plan on their behalf. And so overconfidence, you know, in management on your on your own. Again, I think there's a lot there's a lot of people that do a great job with it, but if you're not dedicated, you don't have an investment discipline that you are willing and able to follow when the tide the tides turn. I would say that's where you really need to have a professional or a group of professionals in your corner to keep you from making bad decisions. Perfect example. You know, one of our clients had a review call not too long ago. They live out of state. And last year, last March, called, having a conversation. He goes, I, I just, I think this is going to be really bad for a really long time. I think we need to do something. Okay. And when someone says, should we do something that is secret code for, should we go to cash? That's all, all roads lead to, should we go to cash? That's what all those questions in the back of our minds are. I said, you know, now is not the time. And here's why I said, we went into 2020, very strong economy, very strong growth, potential pandemic hits. The world decides, Hey, Collectively, we're going to stop. We're going to slow down. And people panicked. Things got devalued over time. But in very short order, what happened? The market dropped. Things got revalued. And then they started to take off again. Now, the conversation I had with the client said, thank you so much for walking me through and reminding me that We have a plan, we've got goals, we have an investment discipline, and this is just the apocalypse du jour happening, which is the pandemic. And he goes, I thank you so much that we did not get out. Because the other thing that happens, if we do rush to cash, 
not only have we chosen to choose a time to get out, the other thing we're now tasked with is what? When are we going to get back in? And things are happening so quickly in today's world that you miss things by a week, two weeks, a month. You have forever given up that rebound. So again, a little bit of a tirade there, but you want to be, when you're talking about doing on doing it on your own, have a discipline, have the intestinal fortitude to stick with it and follow through with that plan. And if you're not comfortable with that, again, most of our clients, they're going to delegate that, that to us to keep them on track. Well, that's a big area of overconfidence causing problems and wreaking havoc in a financial plan is if you just don't have that. I think you pointed out something really clear there was the uh, desire, aptitude, and uh, what was the third piece? And the, and the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. sometimes people have two of those three or one of those three things, but you really need all three. That's <laughs> So you might have the desire, but do you have the time and the actual aptitude? Or you might have the aptitude, but do you really feel like doing it? And do you have the time to dive into it? So you got to mm-hmm. check all three of those boxes. And so few people, like you mentioned, actually hit all three. That's big. Yeah. And I can say, you've got to, I'm never going to try to convince someone that enjoys doing it, that we should take over for them. Yeah. We're here to help people that, want a trusted team of people on their side to give them great advice that that's what we're here for not to convince people they need us we're here to help and take care of people that are looking for advice and financial planning do you find that people get overconfident in like maybe simplifying the process a bit too much for example hey once i get to a million dollars then i know i can retire and they kind of get a little too locked in on something like that yeah, and, and that's a, and that million dollars is a big one. And the problem with that is the million dollars is just a goal. And will that million dollars really deliver the income that you need to live the lifestyle you want? So a couple of things can happen. If you're just saying, oh, I'm going to make a million bucks, kind of like those old ING commercials years ago, where all those people are walking around with their number. Do you remember those? And the yeah, guy was sitting on a park what's your bench. Number yeah, and, what's yeah. your number? And, you know, mine's, you know, seven fit or 50,000. Mine's 2.2 million. They're all walking around with this number. Well, that's where that stuff comes from. That's financial marketing. All right. And you may find out that a million bucks isn't going to get it done. You also may find out that you don't need to strive for a million. You may need less. It depends on your personal situation. And so, that also goes into overconfidence and rules of thumb. If you know me, I dislike rules of thumb for the most part. Why? Because those rules of thumb are designed to be applicable to the broadest cross-section of society. Well, if the average 65-year-old couple has less than $150,000 saved for retirement, if the vast majority of rules of thumb out there are to take care of the average citizens. Again, nothing disparaging about them or their position that they find themselves in. I just know that the families that we assist and that entrust us to get get them to and through retirement, they've saved $750,000 to, you know, three, four, five million dollars. Most of our clients are in that million to $2 million range. What works for the average 65-year-old with $150,000 does not apply to this person that has $1.3 million. 
And so we've got to be careful on that, having this, oh, they reached the magic number. Or, oh, I, I read this article on Money Magazine that said, I just follow this. Uh, I can withdraw 4% of my savings per year and be, be dandy. Well, that may be true, but you need to verify it's true for you. <laughs> so that's why I try to throw out most rules of thumb and stick to the planning basics, the planning rules of engagement and apply those and really customize a plan for each and individual family that we take care of. It's another hugely important thing. And uh, while you don't like those rules of thumb that pop up into the equation, overconfidence and those can lead to problems. Uh, certain products, people lean into that a little bit too much as well, Scott. It's just uh, all different areas where people can get off track from what true planning looks like. Correct. And I'm glad you brought up that the product word. And I think it's overconfidence and either someone has a limited ability or limited information about something and they're making judgments about it because let's be candid for a moment in today's world when somebody says well i've researched that well what does that mean okay does that mean that you read an article online that popped up into your news feed it kind of pursued you okay and you know, it's it's one or two pages. Is that the research? Are you relying upon an author or journalist that summarized something in, you know, 500 words? Is that really research? You know, same thing with, you know, investments. Um, you know, there's over 36,000 investment options out there. 36,000 to choose from. Do we really have a process, as our listeners out there, that you can go through and adequately research and segment and narrow down 36,000 investment options. Because that's where we are today. We are drowning in information. So we don't need more information. What we really need is a process to filter the information to find out, does this apply to me in my situation? Should I even be considering it? A lot of what we do is we've got systems and relationships that distill down the options into what we feel are the best options available at the time, the building blocks of a good financial plan from the investment standpoint. So I know what it takes in not only resources of people and money to do that, and it's staggering what that costs, right? So... The idea that we read a book over the weekend about investing or we did an online tutorial about it, I can tell you that maybe is not the best process or the most thorough process to evaluate how you're going to handle the money that's going to have to take care of you and your spouse for the rest of your life. And so I would just word of caution with that. We want to have good information. We want to be presented the correct information. And once we have that correct information, we need to make sure that we have a decision-making process to follow to make sure that you understand what your true desires are. What are your goals? What are you aiming at? What do you want to experience? Because that, those decisions, those ideas are needed to go through and put a plan in place. And that plan is going to consist of 
how are we going to deliver income? When are we going to take your Social Security? Do you have a pension? How should you choose to take that pension? What happens if you lose a spouse? What, you know, how does that impact the survivor? Once we understand the all the intricacies of the in, the in, income plan, then we go to what investment options should we choose? What's the good and the bad that's available? Narrow down what the possible universe of, of strategies and products is that we use. And let's have a candid conversation about the pluses and minuses of those. You know, what are the strings attached to all those decisions? And once we do that, we got to move to taxes. Do you have a plan in place to make sure that you pay as little as tax as legally possible using the, you know, the tax code, because it's not about how much money you make in retirement, it's how much money you keep you know, in your pocket and spend. Uh, you don't take your portfolio statements to the grocery store. Okay. You take your income from your portfolio to the grocery store and that's how you travel and do those things. But you want to make sure you're not giving too much of that away to taxes. And then that final piece, you know, the decision-making, do we have a healthcare plan and do we have an estate plan, which is our legal documents and how we want things to be handled while we're alive and when we're gone. So again, we want to make sure that first and foremost, how we made decisions in the past, do we need to discover, is that decision-making process serving you well? Are you overconfident in your decision-making process? or you possibly don't have one that you're comfortable with. Once we have a good decision-making process, we go through the steps of the complete plan review, build the plan out, and you're not gonna be overconfident. You know, we don't want overconfidence, but we want you to have confidence in the plan that's put together. We want you to be confident that you understand why we're doing what we're doing. And we want you to be confident that when uncertainty strikes, and it's going to happen that you know that there is a plan of action because most of the time what happens when we see a curveball in life, it usually involves dispensing money from our plan to take care of it. So we're always going to be here with our plan in place. We're always going to have a place to take money from, a smart place to take it, to provide you the resources to take care of the obstacles or the curveballs life throws at us. So again, we don't want overconfidence that leads to financial ruin, but we want supreme confidence in the plan and the structure and the discipline that's been put in place that's going to get us through the remaining part of our retirement life. Got to get the proper level of confidence in all of these uh, areas of your financial plan and your financial life, and Scott and the team can help you accomplish that if you've had trouble uh, getting the right level of confidence in your plan. So here are a couple of ways to reach out, touch base, 913-393-4724. Again, call 913-393-4724, or you can go to listentoscott.com to listen to past episodes and check out more information Listen to Scott.com. Again, your place to go there. Scott, really appreciate the help and the guidance today. Great talking about some of these areas where overconfidence can lead us down a bad path and how we can kind of solve some of these issues as well. Absolutely. I enjoyed it today, and I hope people got something out of it and could improve their situation. We'll have another great episode on tap in a couple of weeks. Until then, for Scott Dugan, I'm Walter Storholt. We will see you next time right back here on Your Retirement Elevated.
Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.